Hey there, we're live at the Nasdaq Market Site in Times Square. The guys here getting ready behind me. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up on the show. Talk about going up in smoke. Tesla shares are in free fall. And you won't believe how low some options traders see it going. Mike Coe will break it down. And soup and cereal stocks could be bad for your portfolio's health. So says Dan Nathan, and he's got a way to profit. Plus, despite rising oil and rising rates, retail stocks rallied 5% this quarter. But the chartmaster says, watch out, it might be time to ring the register. He will break it down. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins right now. And we start with retail. Hanging tough this quarter, the XRT retail ETF rallying more than 5% in the last three months. This in spite of rising rates, tariff concerns, and higher gas prices. The XRT trading within just a few percent of its all-time highs. In fact, on track for its best year since 2013. But the chart master says the retail rally could be in trouble. So let's get straight to Carter at the Plasma to break it down. Carter. Well, that's right. It's actually been quite dormant for the past two to four weeks. And... Uh, those who care about the fundamentals, apparently the comps are going to be nearly impossible as we go forward. But anyway, XRT. Uh, it's a great ETF. It's almost equal weight. Slight skew to the top, but it's 96 stocks. You can see all the numbers here. 2.2 trillion and a, well, a big chunk of the S&P, 8.3%. So let's look at some charts and see if we can figure this out. First, the brands, the names you know, some of the biggest and most prominent, including Amazon and Walmart. Uh, great competitors, Kroger, supermarkets, Walgreens. And the list goes on and on. Costco's, Macy's, Jewelry, eBay, Target. So um, what I have here is a two-panel chart. The first is the XRT itself. And then, which is key, the relative performance to the S&P 500. So if we put in some lines here, I just would uh, call out the following. One, what we know is that we got above and made a slight new high, a slight new high. But basically, we've been rebuffed there. But more importantly... Relative performance to the S&P 500. Notice, of course, it's been basically straight down, so there's no alpha here, this top thing relative to your choice being in the market. But what's really important is that every single time we have gotten to this downtrend line, we have failed. It's not a good setup. Uh, I don't like it. Moving on. Here's the XRT itself. There is that double top. Let's put some lines in and see if we can show that. There it is. At a minimum, I think that we're going to come back to the trend line that's been in effect, and that would put us right back here. And so I'm betting that that is exactly what's going to happen for XRT, and if I were in it, I would take some profits. But it, there's a message here about retail and consumer in general. All right. He doesn't like it. He was pretty clear. Mike, how are you doing? Yeah, you know, this is, this is kind of an interesting one, and it sets up well for options. One of the things that Carter alluded to is the fact that XRT is equal weight. And what that means is that names like Target and Costco and Walmart, they have the same amount of that as they have of names like Ulta and Carvana and Chico's and Etsy. Those, honestly, those have the same impact on XRT. And what ends up happening is that typically, if the market takes a downturn, the volatility of those rise much sharply. And if you take a look at XRT versus the S&P in terms of volatility, it can get sharply more volatile than the S&P. Right now, it actually isn't that much more. It's been relatively subdued as it has risen 
recently. So from my eye, I think the way to take a look at this, I was just looking out to December. I was looking specifically at the 51.47 put spread. That $4 put spread when I was looking at it earlier today would cost you $1. And I think this is just, a you know, again, we are talking about a basket of stocks. Typically, we don't buy puts outright on those because there is some downside limit to how much a basket or an index might fall. In this case, of course, we do have a situation where uh, the, this one with some of those lesser known names, there could be a very sharp increase in volatility in this thing if we start to see any kind of a pullback. Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade? Oh, I really like the trade. Now, like, first off, I like the levels of targets uh, that uh, Carter is targeting there. Um, you know, down to 47 seems like a retracement of the move over the last six or so months. Um, as far as Mike's trade, he's risking one to possibly make three to get back to that level. And I think more importantly, uh, Carter started to mention this. Those comparisons as we go into the holiday season, they're really tough. 2016 was a horrible period for retail. That's when everyone and their mother was pricing Amazon to kill everything. The uh, the big box, the, the department store that sort of thing. So the comps are going to be really hard. So with this, the ETF kind of stalling here, I think if you get any bad news over the next couple of months, you're going to have this XRT back towards 47. You know, actually, that comps comment, I think, is also a really important one. The XRT is about 20 percent higher than it was a year ago. The multiple remains the same and the forward multiple remains the same. What that tells you is that the market is basically pricing in a great deal of growth here. And, you know, generally speaking, when you think growth might tail a little bit, because that was obviously fairly impressive. We're talking about 20 percent earnings growth for the entire basket over that period of time. Do you think that kind of thing is going to continue? I mean, that's the kind of multiples they're assigning to it. I think it's a bit optimistic. Right. And if you think about it, some of the best performers in the Standard & Poor's 500 or in the mid-cap have been things like Macy's off the lows, Abercrombie, uh, I mean, Left 4 Dead, Chipotle, a lot of stocks that have basically gone too far too fast. That's the risk that not only are the comps are hard, but basically they've done such appreciation that there's not an incremental dollar to go there. And the specific constituents that are among the mega cap stocks that are in this thing also are stocks that once were cheap but are no longer. I think Walmart's probably the most prominent example. That was a stock that a lot of people would say, well, obviously it's facing significant pressures from Amazon. They obviously hadn't figured out their online presence story. Not that it weighs so heavily on this index, but what it does tell you is that you have small stocks where there is greater risk and you have large stocks that have run very far very fast. All right. Now to one area of the consumer space that has been sitting out the rally, and that is the staples, the so-called safety stocks acting like anything but this year, down 5% as the worst performing sector of 2018. And Dan says it could get even worse than one of the biggest names in the group reports next week. So walk us through, Dan. Yeah, so Pepsi's reporting. So we're talking about consumer staples here. And this is actually kind of an interesting conversation right after that retail one. You know, consumer staple stocks have are the worst performing sector in the S&P right yeah, now. They're down about 3.5% on the year. And the XLP, the ETF that tracks this sector, is actually made up very differently than the XRT. The top five stocks make up 50% of the weight. And those stocks are Pepsi, Coke, Procter & Gamble, Philip Morris, and Walmart. All five of those stocks act really badly. The best one on the year is unchanged on the year. The worst one, Philip Morris, is down 23% on the year. I'm not holding my breath for any of those names to report Q3 earnings and drag this sector up a little bit. So I think Pepsi, how it reacts next week, the options market is not implying a big movement, about 2% in either direction. But how the stock reacts, how investors take it, could be very interesting. Earlier in the year, this group was very volatile. Input costs were going higher, um, you know, and margins were getting kind of pressed a little bit. This group trades expensive to the broad market here. So as I think about the chart and the technical setup here, look at this uptrend since 2011. It broke it earlier in the year when things started to get bad. 
five. It just got rejected there. I want to play over the next couple months or so for a move back below uh, 50 bucks here. So very specifically, the trade when the stock was trading uh, at 53.85, that's the XLP, you could very simply look out to November expiration by the November 54 puts, paying 90 cents for those, those break even at 53.10, down about 1.5%. That is your max risk. And one of the things that's kind of interesting, what Mike was talking about, the equal weighted XRT and why he wanted to spread it, there's not a lot of idiosyncratic risk. Well, when you have five stocks making up 50% of the weight, this is where you want to let this one run a little bit. I'm already in the money of the 54 strike, and I want to see this thing start moving back down closer to 50, and at some point, I may spread it by selling a lower strike put in November to make a vertical put spread. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Again, he was mentioning that he didn't use a spread here. The XRT is much more volatile than this particular one is, and you'll notice that actually this option costs about as much as a spread would in the other, which is why just going ahead and buying that put outright, I think, also makes a lot of sense. We obviously have an upcoming earnings season in here, and as he mentioned, you've got a handful of stocks that could make this thing move around a decent amount, and the options are a whole lot cheaper, which justifies the structure. As a setup goes, I mean, the, the key thing from my seat is what Dan showed on the screen there, which is a long ascent and then an initial break followed by a throwback to the point from which it broke. That, historically, is a very bad situation to be in. Uh, you've had a lot of volatility in a low volume. Remember, the beta of the staples as a sector is about a 0.82. So more volatility, really, than the market in many ways of late in a dormant asset that breaks and then recovers. The likelihood of failure here is very high. Does your outlook change, Dan, if the markets break down? If, if you see a big pullback in the markets, is there a safety trade? Well, it's funny. I'm not really worried about that. And, you know, rates is the one thing that we didn't talk about, right? So a lot of those names that we talked about that make up a big uh, weight have a greater than a 3% dividend yield. We know now with a 10-year back above 3%, that could be one of the reasons why they've lost a little bit of their luster. But I just don't really think that we're in a position where if the market goes higher, these stocks are not going to perform. They're the worst acting in the broad market. And if we go lower, I expect them trading at the, the um, frothy uh, P.E. levels in the high teens, 22 uh, percent P.E. For, for some of them, I just don't see them going higher and I don't see them uh, outperforming on the downside either. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. It's been likened to the Pravda of options. So what are you waiting for? Here's what's coming up next. Check out shares of Tesla, which continue to get pounded. Mike Coe will tell you how to profit. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Tesla plunging and having its worst day in five years after the SEC sued CEO Elon Musk for securities fraud, and that sparked a flurry of activity in the options market. Let's get back to Dom to at headquarters to break it all down. Hey, Dom. Well, if you thought that Tesla stock was all over the place, Melissa, just take a look at how the options are doing. Options volumes have surged for those shares on the heels of the SEC lawsuit alleging fraud by founder and CEO Elon Musk. 
Tesla was the most active single stock name with nearly 800,000 contracts changing hands. Most of those were puts, those put contracts, which give you the right but not obligation to sell the stock at a lower price, saw more than four times their average daily volume. You could say that those options were sizzling. So all of that activity has translated into a surge in implied volatility or the price for those options. In fact, options prices on Tesla are at their highest point of the year. Melissa, it might take a little while longer before trading gets back to whatever you want to call normal for Tesla shares and, of course, those options. Back over to you. All right, Dom, thanks. Dom Chu. So with the stock down 14% today, how should you play it? Mike's over at the plaza with his call to action. Mike. Sure. So uh, what we're going to be taking a look at is actually playing a range-bound thesis. Now, the thing is, is Dom just pointed out the stock is moving around very, very sharply, and the options are also extremely expensive and implying that it's going to move around very sharply. So this range that we're talking about is going to be a very wide one. The thing is, doing this usually means that you're going to look to sell some options. So is there a way we can do this, but also limit the amount of risk we're taking to take in some premium? So if we take a look at the stock over the course back to January of 2018, so the beginning of the year, we can see that this thing has had a huge range. You know, actually, I was looking at this earlier. This right here was essentially one of the first tweets that Elon Musk made threatening that the shorts were going to have trouble and that they would see something explode in their faces in three weeks. Well, about three weeks later, they were up 14%. So I guess he meant their profits were going to explode. Then right here, of course, is when we saw him make these tweets about the potential of it going private. So now that the stock has obviously fallen quite sharply and we're almost down towards these lows, what kind of a trade might we be able to use? So I'm looking essentially at trying to play a range that is, as I pointed out, going to be pretty wide. I'm looking at a range of about 200 to the downside and upwards of about 300 to the upside. The at-the-money straddle was about 60 bucks going out to November when I was looking at this earlier today. So what's the trade? Specifically, I'm looking at buying a March 240 put. That would cost me $38. And then selling a November 240 put against it for 2050. Net net, I'm spending $17.5 to put this on. Now, this chart can be a little bit confusing because this really tells us what the profit and loss is going to look like after that November put expires. But until then, that November put will decay more rapidly than the March one that I'm long. And actually, what's going to happen is if it just finishes right at this 240 level, that's the best I can do because that long dated put is still going to preserve a lot of its value, but the November one isn't going to have any. If it goes down, probably down to around 200, that's when my profits are going to start dropping off down at that level. And then up around 300, the same sort of thing is going to happen. But this is a little bit like selling a straddle. The advantage is that I'm not short a naked put and I'm not short a naked call, which obviously would have unlimited risk. Dan, what do you think of Mike's strategy? Uh, I really like it. It obviously leans to the short side a little bit, and I think it's really important to note that the short strike is in November. So he's looking out about like six or so weeks from here. He doesn't want to really be short options too much longer than that, but then he's setting up to own that longer dated put, which he's helped finance, and that 240 to the downside, that's obviously more than 10%. I'll just make one other point, though. Mel, you just said the stock was down 14% today. Shockingly, it's only down 15% on the year. I would assume we are going to have a major move one way or the other on this one, and it looks like traders right now, or at least investors are bracing for that to the downside. Well, Carter was making the interesting point on Fast Money earlier that 14 percent, that's not really a huge move for a stock like Tesla. No, in the sense that obviously in any given day, that's but the key is for Tesla, right? So right, right. one of the most controversial equity assets there is. 
with the short uh, interest that there is. And if Facebook can drop 25, 27 in a matter of two years, Tesla, this could have been down 40%. I mean, that kind of thing happens in biotech. This is a binary thing, too. I mean, either this company is literally the most overpriced asset there is, or he changed the world. He did in many ways already do that, but maybe the asset already reflects that. So the volatility is normal in a way. It's, we've had this. Sure. And the level, we were here a week ago and we were here in March exactly at this point. I mean, it could easily go lower. Like I mentioned, the options market is implying movement of almost $60 from where it closed today. So that would take you down to 200 which would be basically cutting the stock in half from the immediate you know, tweet news, basically propelling the stock higher. Uh, I do think the upside is significantly limited. I mean, if, you know, Dan mentioned, he said, it looks like you're fading a little bit to the downside. It's really hard for me to understand what could come out in the near term that would take this stock sharply higher. The thing that could have done it would have been if Elon had actually settled. That offer, if that what was reported is correct, that could have basically helped stabilize things. The other thing that could, potentially, end of October, we'll get some earnings information, do they somehow miraculously get to cash flow break even? Well, we'll that would be obviously material. We will too. get delivery numbers this weekend, I believe. So, so Dan, we, let's say we get delivery numbers and the stock reacts positively. Does that make you rethink yeah. that maybe, maybe no, the stock no. can move on fundamentals? Fundamentals don't matter until this thing with Musk gets cleaned up. And just one really quick point about that 15% drop. Very unique situation. Uh, Musk owns about 20% of the stock. He's never selling. And there's about 26% short interest. So they kind of match that thing up a little bit. All right. Still ahead, banks getting slammed this week down more than 4%. But Dan has got a way to profit from the breakdown. He will explain. Plus, got a question from one of the traders. Send us a tweet to add options action if it's good. We'll answer it later in the show. We're live at the NASDAQ market side in Times Square. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to take a look back at some of our open trades. Two weeks ago, Dan said there was trouble brewing in the banks. I mean, there was some decent news um, out of Goldman. There was some decent news out of J.P. Morgan. There was some decent news out of Citi. This is on the fundamental front. Um, the stocks couldn't rally. I'm not certain what they're going to be able to say on Q3 earnings when we get into mid-October that's going to take this sector up. You could look at November expiration. You could buy the 28-26 put spread, paying 40 cents for that. And Dan was right. The XLF falling 4% this week. So, Dan, how are you trading the financials now? Yeah, I think you stick with this trade, Mel. It's right at the break-even. You have uh, this trade set up for the earnings season, and I just can't tell you how much I hate this group. It seems like every day on Fast Money we have a new pundit or a new analyst or a new investor telling us how this great rotation is going to happen in the bank stocks and they're finally going to participate. Well, you know what? There's one global bank stock that's actually up on the year, and it's J.P. Morgan, and it might have just gotten rejected at a massive, massive double top. So to me, if there is no good news in earnings over the next couple weeks, this sector is going much lower, in my opinion. All right. Well, also two weeks ago, Mike said Netflix's big rally was just getting started. What we've noticed is that the current price of options is implying a move lower than that which we've actually experienced. It's implying a move of just about 7% on earnings. Actually, over the last eight quarters, it's averaged about 8%. So right now, options are looking like a decent value. I was specifically looking at the 375 415 call spread. These were $18.60 when I was looking at those earlier today, and I could sell these 415 calls against it for $6.15. 
And good call, Mike. Since the time of the trade, shares of Netflix have jumped 3%. So what are you doing with it now? Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, we were targeting a bigger move. We also put, put on an options position that would capture earnings. I could understand if somebody put this trade on, you know, a couple days ago, we saw about 384. Maybe some of you took, took your profits, but that wasn't really what we were shooting for. Right now, this trade is only up about a buck or so, so I'm actually going to defer and see what Carter has to say uh, about it. I think you've got a tiger by the tail here, meaning this stock acts better than the tech sector. <laughs> it acts better than New York Fang Index. It acts better than the market. Um, and... It already had a big drawdown. That's not the circumstance with Amazon and some of the steep names. I like it a lot. All right. Up next, we got your tweets and the final call. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first tweet is by Chad, who asks, if you think a stock you own is going to go down, is it better to sell deep in the money calls or just buy a put for production? Mike. Okay, so uh, I'm assuming you can't sell the stock itself because that would obviously be one of the things you could also consider, but I would buy puts rather than selling deep calls. A lot of times there's no premium in those. Um, the next tweet from Joseph who says, hi guys, love the show. Can you tell me at what percentage of a loss do you typically close out of options trades? Dan, why don't you take that one? Yeah, that's a great question, Joseph. I usually use a 50% premium stop on long premium directional trades. Once you get below that, the probability of a total loss increases pretty dramatically. All right. Time now for the final call. Dan, kick it off. Yeah, XLP, November 54 puts. Carter Braxworth. XRT, retail likely lower. Mike Coe. Yeah, I think for XRT, the best way to play that, look out to December. The 51.47 put spread for a buck looks like a good way to make a bearish bet there. All right. Well, that does it for us here on Options Action. Thanks so much for watching. You can see us back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with the one and only Jim Cramer starts right now.